Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, find life, make a difference, and reach our world. If you have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online simply by going to gracelife.church. What does church mean to you? We believe the church on earth is a spiritual family with a mission. These four weeks, we're talking about Grace Life Vision, what Grace Life is all about, so that you can know that Grace Life is your church. So let's know God, find life, make a difference, and reach our world, and together be a part of my church. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. How are you guys doing? So good to see you guys. So glad to be worshiping with you. Especially want to welcome our guests wherever you are worshiping with us from. And uh, so, hey, before we go any further, I want to talk about the fact that we have been in our week of prayer and fasting. And it's been a a really great time to be drawing closer to God. I've heard some great stories. And if you've seen something already experienced in your life or even in the coming weeks, we would love to hear those stories and and know what God has done in your life. And I just want to say I'm excited for you. I'm excited for what God God is doing when we come together as a church family and say, God, we want more of you. Uh, I always get just, just so excited looking forward to the stories that people share with me. And, and I do believe God is doing something in our church family. He's doing something in your lives. Uh, he's done something in my life already this week. And so I uh, just want you to know this is a great time to expect great things from God. And uh, if you're watching this after the week is over, then that's okay. We do this twice a year and it's just a few more months till January. So be looking forward to that coming again. Well, hey, everybody, we're actually starting a new series uh, today. It's called My Church, What We're All About. And uh, we actually started this series uh, about five months ago. For those of you that, a few of you are going to know about this because it was the Sunday that was our last Sunday with the doors open. And, uh, you know, I I preached this message, uh, kicked off the series, got home, and the the governor shut South Carolina down. Uh, And actually, uh, about half of you that day had already opted to stay home and And so we know a lot of people already missed this message, but the reason that no one ever heard any more about this series is because, you know, we were excited to talk about who we are as a church and what we think God's called us to do. And then within hours, suddenly everybody's trapped in their homes. And, uh, you know, for some of you, that's a good thing. For some of you, that was a hard five months, right? Some of you are still there, actually. And uh, we knew if you're going to be in lockdown, if your whole world is going to be turned upside down, if you're going to be disconnected from some of the relationships in your life that really help you and strengthen you, and if you're going to be in some trying times, like, look, we all love our families. I hope you love your family. I love my family. But you, you all know there can be too much of that, you know. Uh, actually, uh, my family and I, we just went to the beach last week. We love the beach. We love of each other, but a tight space for an entire week, you know, it, it can be trying. So we, we said, hey, look, if everybody's going to be in this season due to COVID, we're, we're going to change what we're doing. And so we set this series aside. We, we didn't do it, uh, finish it at that point. What we did is we said, we want to focus on helping you draw closer to God. What you're going to need in a season of disconnected lockdown and, and just world turned upside down is to get close to God. And so we've spent these five uh, months doing, doing some series that would help you do that. One of them was called Because of Jesus. Uh, we even sang the song earlier. Look, everything in your life should be different because of Jesus. Uh, then we did a series called Hearing God. Uh, when everything else is going wrong, if you can connect with God, if you can hear his voice, your life will be encouraged. It will be so much better. 
Uh, we just finished a series called The Bible because our, everything we know about God, our entire revelation of God comes from His Word. Uh, the question is, is it His Word and can we trust it? And so, look, we've spent a lot of time uh, just re- completely rebooting. We took everything we planned to do, took it off the schedule and said, what can we do to help you connect with God in this tough season? Well, hopefully some of the toughness of that season is coming to an end. What we're starting to see right now is our, our world is starting back up again. Uh, some people are going back out to restaurants and uh, schools are about to open. Churches have their doors open again. And praise God, uh, here today I'm not preaching to an empty room. And, and so we know things are starting to kind of begin. But everything is different. I mean, come on, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Everything is different. My, my family went to dinner, and but my family just by itself exceeds the number of people they would let eat together. They made my children eat at a separate table, even though we live in the same house and rode together. Look, things are just not the same. You guys with me on this? Well, guess what else is not the same? And that's church. Uh, nothing is going to be the same, and so church is not going to be the same. So we thought this is a good time to bring this back. This is a good time to talk about what it means to be the church on planet earth, especially in light of what we're seeing in our world today. It's a good time for us to talk about how we're going to do church moving forward. And uh, so that's what this series is about, talking about my church. And, you know, here's the cool part. Uh, As I said earlier, about half of the people who were at Grace Life at the time we started this missed this message because uh, you, you just were already saying, I need to stay, stay home and stay safe. And, uh, you know, the other cool part is we've actually grown by a couple hundred people during the lockdown of COVID. I don't know if you guys heard that, but you need to celebrate. Think about this. While our doors were locked, our impact increased. And that, that's really woken a lot of pastors up to what it means to be church. And that's going to play into how this series has actually changed. It's changed since we planned to do it uh, five months ago because we're realizing God is up to something. And, and he has reached people through uh, the Internet that we would have never reached otherwise. And so, you know, speaking of those couple hundred new people, uh, I, I've been meeting a lot of them through First Step this past month. And some have been at prayer and fasting this week. And uh, it, this just has always been the story as a pastor when I meet somebody new to the church, one of the most common phrases I will hear is, we just love your church. We, we just love your church. And look, if, if I'll just go ahead and say this, especially if anybody's watching me online and they want to, you know, like cut a clip and make a meme out of me, I'm just going to go ahead and admit, we know everybody doesn't love this church. I, I can go ahead and just tell you that everybody doesn't love this church. The good news is that usually those people don't come and talk to me. So what I hear is we just love your church. I I do have a funny story for you because it was not that long ago. This was right before uh, everything shut down just five or six months ago or so. And and a lady came up to me and she says, I like your church. And she didn't stop there. She said, but I I noticed something here today. You you don't have a cross on the wall. I said, "Uh, no, no, ma'am, we we don't have a cross on the wall. And she said, well, I like your church. I'd like to come back, but I need to know if you have plans to put a cross on the wall. And I said, well, we we love the cross. It's it's a very important part of our faith, but we don't currently have plans to redecorate. And she just shook her head and walked away, and I've never seen her again. So look, I know everyone does not just love our church, but Many people say, we just love your church. And one of the reasons that we're doing this series is because I would love to have a lot of people stop saying, we just love your church and start saying, this is my church. 
right? I mean, if you're going to keep coming here week after week after week, it, it's got to stop being our church. It's got to start being your church. And then the second reason for this series, we hope over these four weeks, what you're going to be able to do is know if you call Grace Life your church, wherever you are. And I need to say that now because uh, we have people watching all over the world. Grace Life has, has totally changed what it, from what it was five, five months ago. Five months ago, it was right here, right there. And, and now it's all over the world and wherever you are, if you call Grace Life your church, I want us to be able to be the church God called us to be. Are you guys with me on that? So look, here, here, here's where we are. I want to start with a question. What does the word church mean to you? What does the word church mean to you? And, and I hope some things came to mind for you. I'm going to tell you, I'm in the Bible Belt right now, if you're wondering. I grew up in the Bible Belt as well. And uh, I learned some things about what the word church means here in the Bible Belt. Uh, the first one, at least prior to five months ago, church was a place. It was a building. You had to be in a place and in that building. And everybody just kind of thought that way. And now suddenly, uh, we still got probably 60% of our church that has not ventured back into the building yet. And we understand all of the precautions people are taking. So, so no, no condemnation or shame in that. But that's just the statistic. And yet, they're still here. They're still a part of the church. They're still worshiping. We're still praying for them. Pastors are still talking to them. And we've got people that are meeting in small groups online. So what we've discovered is church is not just about a building. But prior to COVID, we would have said here in the Bible Belt especially, church is a building and church is a place. A second thing I've learned about church in the Bible Belt is that it's a time. It's an event. And it tends to be Sunday morning very close to 11 a.m. And that's, that's what we have, many of us have just grown up with. And we have this idea. But here's the problem. That may be what the Bible Belt believes about church. But it is not what the Bible says about church. What the Bible says about church is it is way more than a time or a place or an event once a week in your life. And so uh, what we're going to be talking about is what we believe we're supposed to be doing on the earth as a church. And if we're doing that together, what does that look like? So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you one of the things we believe. We believe that the church on the earth is a spiritual family with a mission. Did y'all get that? Two very important things. A spiritual family with a mission. We're a family because we are the children of God, right? And we refer to him as our father. The Bible tells us we're his children. Uh, Jesus is essentially our big brother, if you think about it that way. And matter of fact, some of us grew up where we go to church and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, how you doing there? And, and maybe some of you don't say that, and we don't say that anymore as much, but we did, or, and some of us still do, because we are a family, we are the ones who call upon Jesus as our king, and we call God our father. We're a family. But that family's been given a mission. We've got something to do. When Jesus was crucified and raised again, he left a mission. He told his disciples, go and make disciples. Teach them everything I've taught you. And, and so the, I believe that's the mission of every church. That's the mission of the church on planet Earth. But then the question becomes, how do you do that? And every church does that differently. Making disciples, there is more than one way to make a disciple. I can just go ahead and tell you that. If you want to do something really fun, go to a Christian bookstore if you can find one. If not, just go to Amazon and, uh, you know, research books on discipleship. And the list is long because there's just so many ways to do what Jesus told us to do. And so what happens is each one of these spiritual families, each one of these local churches comes up with a vision of how they are going to do that. 
And if you're new to this concept of local church, let me give you the uh, illustration of your family, right? You may have family that's all across the world or at least across the state or just depends on how far you are from your family. You've got aunts and uncles, you've got cousins, you've got grandparents and, and whatever the story is. So you've got your immediate family, your local family. That's the uh, picture of the local church. This is our house. This is how we do it in our house. This is what we eat in our house. This is where we like to vacation in our family. But our aunts and our uncles, man, they like to eat that kind of stuff. And they like to go there. And my grandmother, she likes that. And, And we're all in the family, the church on planet earth, everywhere, anybody in any country who calls Jesus their king is a part of the church on the earth. But then we get together in these little groups called the local church, spiritual family with a mission. So here's what we believe. Each local church is a spiritual family fulfilling a vision together. And so what we're talking about is what is Grace Life doing? And if Grace Life is your church, then what are we doing? What does it mean to say, this is my church? So we're going to start out talking about what our vision is, our vision we got from the Bible. That's a pretty good idea. Don't you guys think that's a pretty good idea? And it actually is a vision we're stealing from Paul. Paul said a prayer over one of his churches that he was working with, happened to be the church in Ephesus. This comes out of the book of Ephesians. And he he had this prayer that actually, if you take time to stop and look at it, there's four parts to it. And so this ends up being the four parts of our vision. And so I'm just going to share this with you right here. Ephesians 1 starts out like this. Paul says, look, I keep praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. This is the first part of our vision is to know God. You see, what what Paul was praying is, and and what happens is that we receive the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who lives inside of us and gives us this wisdom, gives us the revelation of the Father, allows us to come to a relationship with Him. And and that is the beginning of knowing God, knowing that we have a Father in heaven who created us and who so loves us that He sent His Son to die in our place so that we could have fellowship with Him and be made right with Him. And that is where knowing God begins. But it doesn't end there. That's the beautiful part. Is then every other day of our lives, we get to know him deeper and more more, uh, personally. We know his his faithfulness. We know his mercy. We know his intent for our lives. We know his love. That's every single day to wake up and grow in that. So we want people to know God personally and deeply. Those two words are important because we're going to come back and talk about them in just a minute. The second thing that Paul goes on to say in that prayer is that you would have the eyes of your heart enlightened. And this is the second part of our vision, which is to find life. Look, this is talking about what's going on inside of you. And I know somebody can relate to this. Matter of fact, I think everybody can relate to this. How many of you know that you can be going to heaven but still have a miserable time on earth? You don't have to raise your hand, but we've all been there. We've all been, okay, God, just take me now. I know it's going to be better, right? You know you're headed to heaven, but life on earth can just stink at certain times. And so this, this phrase, eyes of our hearts, it's talking about the filter we have for the world. It's not talking about these eyes, but the Bible, when it says our heart, is referring to our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. And so the eyes of our heart is the filter, the perspective. We look at everything that's going on. We look at ourselves. We look at God. We look at people. We look at our experiences. And it goes through our mind, our will, and our emotions. The problem is our, our souls They have struggles because our souls, well, they've been raised in a very broken world. And unfortunately, no one had perfect parents and perfect teachers 
And no one had every person they ever talked to say the perfect word. No, every one of us has had things happen to us and said to us, and, and we've been cut from a team, or we didn't get into the college we wanted, or a girlfriend or a boyfriend decided we weren't the one, and, and, and we've all been through things that broke our hearts, and we've struggled. And, and Paul's saying, look, I want you to have the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Because, and the reason we call this find life is because Jesus said, I came that you'd have life and have it abundantly. That you would have life and have it abundantly. He's not just talking about going to heaven someday. He's talking about what is happening right here, right now, because we're going to heaven someday, because we have the Spirit of God living in us. Something should change while we're still here on earth, right? I mean, that would be pretty sad if God just says, hey, look, you know what? Heaven's going to be good, but I got no hope for you the rest of the time. But the good news is God actually has an answer for our life here on earth. And so what we believe is that as we get our hearts healed, as our mind, will, and emotions come into line with God's mind, will, and emotions, we get free of the brokenness in our lives and we find life. Paul goes on to say that you would know the hope, you would know what is the hope to which he's called you. And this is the third part of our vision, which is to make a difference. You see, you'll never have hope until you understand why he made you, why you're here, that your life has a purpose to make a difference. Matter of fact, this is all about doing something that is greater than you. And I, I'm, I believe this so strongly, I'm going to use the words, this is my promise to you, that when you know that something you have done, that the gifts and the talents God has put inside of you, and the way that you serve, and the way that you give, and the way that you teach, or the way that you pray, or the, whatever it is God's put in you, when you do that and somebody's life has changed, I can promise you, you'll never be the same. You will get out of bed with a whole different outlook on the world every single day. You'll go, whoa, wait a minute. That's not like it used to be. It used to be, it was all about, oh man, I can't believe what I just experienced. You will never be the same. So look here at Grace Life. The third part of our vision is to help you discover what God's put in you, your purpose, so that you can make a difference. And then Paul goes on, finishes his prayer with this by saying, look, I want you to know what are the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? And this is, you may find this a little funny, but the fourth part of our vision is reach our world. You may say, what does that have to do with reach our world? Well, he was just talking about, look, when you know the riches and this power. Let me ask you this way. When you go to a great movie, what is the first thing you do? You go tell somebody else, man, you got to see this movie. is amazing. When you discover a new incredible restaurant, what is the first thing you do? You tell somebody else so they can eat there too. Man, you got to get this. It was on the menu. It's delicious. Order this. That kind. We're always, when we find riches, the first thing we do is want to share. So if we have found the riches of being in God's family, the inheritance of being one of the saints, if we have seen the power of God move in and through us, shouldn't the very first thing we want to do is to go and tell everybody else? And that is reach our world. It's what God's given us to do. So that's our vision to know God, to love people, to make a difference, reach our world. That's what we're doing. What we want to do uh, through this series is talk about how does Grace Life do that? I mean, all that sounded good. I could preach that in any church in the world and they're all going to go, yay, amen. Y'all were a little quiet. That's okay. You didn't know that was your moment, but, but they're going to cheer that on. It was straight out of the Bible. It was just theology. It, it wasn't anything at all that would offend anyone. 
But so the question is, what does it mean for us to do those four things? What does that look like as a church? Well, that's the rest of the series, but in the time I have left today, and we'll go ahead and cover the first one. We're going to talk about how we know God together as a family. And we believe we can do this primarily through worship services. That's what I want to talk about. And look, before anybody sends me emails or complains, don't miss that word. I said primarily. We do this primarily through worship services, meaning I hope that you get to know God deeply in an incredible way in a prayer walk you took Tuesday on the beach. I hope that you get to know God as you go through a season of struggles and on the other side you, you see that God was there all along and he carried you through that. I'm not talking about this being the only way you get to know God. I'm talking about this being the way that we get to know God together as a family. What do we do as a family? And we do worship services to, to give us that opportunity. And let me explain it. it. It actually comes out of something very sobering that Jesus said in Matthew 7. He says, look, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Anybody ever read that verse and been a little disturbed? Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of the, my Father who is in heaven. Matter of fact, on that day, many are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Do we not do mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. And see, this actually still happens in churches today where people go to church. They check a box. All right, went to church this week, feel a little bit better about myself, kind of think that erases a little bit of the fit I threw Friday afternoon, you know, feel a little, little bit better and that, that sort of thing. There are people who they serve on teams, uh, they give a little bit of money, they, they show up every week, sometimes multiple times a week, and we, we do these things where, you know, all those things they name, we're prophesying, casting out demons, whatever, and you can put whatever, whatever level that, but we're doing church stuff, but do we know him? Because that's another thing I've learned about church in the Bible Belt, is that everyone thinks they're a Christian if they go to church. They, as a matter of fact, they think, I go to church, I'm a Christian. That, that's what, but do you know him? Do you know him personally? Matter of fact, I, I need to make sure you understand what that verse was saying. A lot of people have honestly asked me, does this mean God doesn't know everything? No, that's not what that means. God knows everything. God knows you. God sees you. He sees every detail of your life. That word to know right there does not mean that he doesn't know about you. It means there's no relationship with you. It's not like this. Jesus is up in heaven and somebody shows up and he goes, oh my, who who, what, what are you? Who are you? I've never seen you before. And, and, and he says, well, well, my name's Billy Ray Joe Bob. Hey, Dad, did you know Billy Ray Joe Bob was down there all this time? No, that's not what happens. What happens is Jesus looks at him and goes, hey, Billy Ray Joe Bob, I've been watching you for a long time, and I know you real well, and you've been to church a lot, and you know a whole lot about me, but you don't know me. That's what he's talking about. That word actually represents an intimate knowledge. It's most often used in the Bible in the original languages to talk about what a married couple has together, an intimate knowledge. And so Jesus is saying, look, do you know me personally? And the second part of that would be, if you know me personally, do you know me deeper every single time you come in here to worship? And so, look, that is what we've created our worship services to do, those two things, is to help those who do not know him personally come to know him personally, but also to make sure that everyone who already knows him personally 
gets to know him more deeply every single time we come to worship. And, and I just need you to know that up front because that is why we do what we do when we do worship services. It's not the only thing we do, but when we do these, that's the why behind them. Because if you don't know the why, you will get frustrated very quickly. Uh, we've grown. We've never stopped growing. We're always growing. I don't say that to brag. I say because that comes with problems. And some of the problems are the nursery lines get long. There's actually a service here where the minute I say amen and the worship starts, people, they go to get in the front of the line because they know they're going to be in that line to get their kids for quite a while. And, and the parking lot gets crowded and, and then the, the seats get crowded. And if you don't know the why behind what we do, which is we want more people every single day of their lives to come to know Jesus, that means the, the number goes up. That means grace life's going to grow. And if you don't know the why, you're going to get frustrated that you have to stand in line. You're going to get frustrated that you, you show up and, and the, the only empty parking space is further from the building. You have to walk further. You're going to get frustrated you walk into the room and somebody is in your seat. I mean, come on, y'all. Maybe y'all don't do that as much here, but the church I grew up in, everybody had their pew. They had their row. I mean, you did not sit in that seat. Everybody knew whose seat that was, right? You know, and, and so look, I can't believe that person doesn't know who I am. Of course, they don't know who you are because they've never been here. Matter of fact, this is their first time in any church, maybe. And the last thing they need is for somebody who is supposed to be the representation of the love of God on planet Earth to go, get out of my seat. Yeah, right. I mean, come on. So look, you need to know why we're here. And that's why we we may say, look, go sit in another seat and smile about it. That's why we may say, can you go to a different service time that's not as crowded? Because, man, all of those new people getting saved, they've taken over this service, and we need you to make room for them. That's why we may say, hey, can you scoot in, sit right next to somebody, because we don't have room for an empty seat. At least we used to before COVID. Right now, we let you sit anywhere you want. You get to spread out as much as you want. But, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, COVID will eventually be a thing of the past. Uh, that is not a time statement. That's not a prophecy. It may be 60 years from now. I don't know. But there will be a day that this room will be very, very crowded again. And we will say, hey, look, we need to make room. I'm glad you're excited about that. I'm not sure if you're more excited about lost people or COVID, but I'm not going to try to read into that. But listen here. There will come a day again where we'll say, look, we need to make room for more people. Can you scoot in? Can you sit next to somebody? you, you got to know the why behind this. Now, what I just talked about, though, as you can imagine, is tough. There's a huge tension. It's actually a huge challenge to create a worship service that a non-believer is going to say, man, I, I want to be a part of that. And a Christian says, man, that challenged me. Because to do both of those at the exact same time for the same people is really very, very tough. I don't know if, if it, it seems tough to you or if it just looks easy, but I'm going to tell you what. Creating an environment where non-believers say, I want more of that. And Christians say, I, I, man, that, that, that changed my life. That is a, a great tension. And so in order to uh, try to bring those two things together, every time that we do a worship service, we've got four goals. It's what, I'm just going to close out with this. I'm going to share with you the four goals that we have happening every single time we come together. Hopefully you'll pick up on them because you've been seeing them over time. Uh, the first one is celebration. Look, we simply believe church should be enjoyed, not endured. Should be enjoyed, not endured. And, and so look, we, I, here's one thing I've learned as a human— and that is Christians like to have fun, most of them, and non-Christians like to have fun. 
And so, look, why can we not have fun while we worship God? There's, just, I don't know why we think that shouldn't happen. I don't know if you noticed or not, to, or not uh, today, but our worship director was actually playing drums. And, and drums is his first love. He's normally got to be up here and singing and everything, but as a musician, he loves playing drums. I don't think he ever stopped smiling. Was anybody noticing that? I mean, he was having the time of his life playing drums. I was having the time of my life watching him play drums because I used to be a band director, and I would always love when one of my students actually enjoyed what they were doing, you know. And, and so I was just like, wait, we're just having a blast here. It was a celebration, right? This is why David said in Psalms, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. How many of you can really say that when you were growing up? How many of you, don't raise your hands. Well, you can raise your hands. How many of you were sad when your parents said to me, I got to go to church? Got to, yeah, anyway, so look, we just believe worship services should be one of the highlights of your week. We believe you should walk out of this door or, or finish online, online at home, whatever, however you're doing this, and you should feel uplifted. You should, man, that was fun. That was great, man. I, I've got a smile on my face, and I can't wait to do it again. Second goal we've got for every worship service is expectation. We want to create an opportunity for people to experience something they may not experience any other time of the week, any other place in their lives. And that is the presence of God, also known as the Holy Spirit. You see, what we believe is that we can't do anything. If you haven't been around me long enough, just stick around and you'll figure out. I say stupid stuff. Wrong words come out of my mouth. I mean, I don't change lives. It's not the worship team that changes lives. It's not the lights in the room. It's not the internet service you're using at home. The only one who changes lives is the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. He's the one that opens our hearts. He, he causes us to see and to hear what we've been blind and deaf to. He's the one that does it all. And so when we come together, we want people to experience the presence of God. And the reason we use the word expectation is because we expect him to do something. I do not want to be here and go home the same as when I came, ever. Matter of fact, when I go back and I read the stories of the Bible, the only thing that was in the temple that was in the presence of God that remained unchanged was the furniture. I don't want to be a chair. I'm a child of God. I want him to touch my soul. I want to experience his presence. That's why if you've been in our building on that wall out there, I mean, I'm not good with numbers, uh, measurements. I'm just going to, I think it's like 60 feet by 30 feet high or something. And it says expectation is invitation. If you expect God to do something, you're inviting him to do something. And we expect God to do something when we come together. Now, look, I'm just going to do a little time out and tell you, we actually had to change this when COVID hit. We have always prayed Matter of fact, it is a part of our DNA so much that it's always me that prays it at the, uh, the end of our prayer. We pray for every service. When we get together as a staff or a team, whoever's in the room, I will always end it with this prayer because I just feel like it's my mantle to carry. It's my thing. But I did tell the staff long ago, I said, if I'm ever traveling and someone doesn't pray this, somebody's getting fired. That's the way it works. And the prayer is simply this. Holy Spirit, you got to come. Have your way. Be the one and only Spirit who operates in this place we need you. We've got nothing apart from you. And, and, and the words can modify a little bit every time. But the whole point is about welcoming the Spirit of God in this place. Well, then suddenly COVID shut the doors and we couldn't talk about this place anymore. So I want you to know wherever you're worshiping, if you guys allow me, I'm just going to talk to the camera for a minute because this is, this is especially for those of you that are watching at home. We began to add to that prayer, we want the Holy Spirit to take over wherever you are. 
Whenever you are, wherever you are, we begin praying the Holy Spirit would be the one and only, only Spirit that would operate in your living room or in your car as you're driving. Not only just on Sunday. Some of you are not watching on Sunday anymore because you've been at the beach and you're watching on Monday or Tuesday. You're worshiping then. We want the Holy Spirit to reign in your living room, in your car, in your office, in the gym with your AirPods, in whatever it is you're doing. And I want to invite you to begin to pray that as well, because it really helps if you say, hey, God, I'm about to worship you, and uh, I'm not in that room. I'm in this room, and I want your spirit in this room because I have an expectation to be changed. You guys with me on that? The third goal we have for every time that we come together, whether it's online or in this room, is instruction. You know, if you finish the passage, Jesus was just saying, we were just reading that. He goes on to say, look, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. And he actually had said earlier in that, that those who do the will of my Father, well, how do you know the will of the Father? Well, it's right here. It's expressed through his word. And this is why any church service, pretty much any country, anywhere, any day of the week, any time, anywhere in the world, the centerpiece of that worship service is the preaching and the teaching of the Word. Because what we need is to know God's will for our lives, to know what needs to change when we walk out of these doors. Matter of fact, this is the only way that we can know what to do for God is by knowing His commands. It says, look, this is our love for God, is that we keep His commands, right? And so our goal every time we come together is to give you messages that are biblical and practical. I mean, it's great for you to learn something about the Bible, but if it doesn't change your life, then we missed one of those. And it's great to give you, a, you know, a, a, a way to change your life with your diet and teach you keto, but if it's not biblical, that doesn't help the other part. So we're, not, we're probably not going to do keto here, but here's what we're going to do, biblical and practical. We want you to know what God wants for your life, but also know how to use that in the simplest way when you get up on Monday morning. And the last goal that we have for every one of our worship services is salvation. If you haven't caught on yet, that's pretty important. God wants those who are lost to come to know him. They are lost and trapped in the kingdom of darkness, according to the Bible. And when we call on the name of Jesus, we are transferred into the kingdom of his son. That's what he wants for every one of his suffering, trapped children. And so we believe that every time we come together, that first of all, that message should come out. You stick around Grace Life for a bit, you're going to figure out that message comes out no matter what we're talking about. And we believe that every time we come together, people should have an opportunity to recognize their need for a Savior and respond. People ask me all the time, Jimmy, why do you, why do you say you know, that same prayer every service, every time, every week? At the end of your message, why do you... you well, first of all, I don't know if you know this or not, but virtually every time we do that, somebody comes into the kingdom. And it's amazing to know that what we did in this room or what happened online, that's been cool too, is some of the stories online. Some people just passing through living rooms while other family members were watching and they sat down, they got interested and they gave their lives to Jesus. We believe that should be a part of every time we come together as an opportunity for someone to come to know him personally. After all, we're already all here getting to know him deeply. See, we believe that can't be left out. Matter of fact, sometimes people ask us, why do you do communion so often? We do communion virtually every week. And well, 
it gives us an opportunity every single time we worship to say, hey, you know what Jesus has done for you? And that's, we think that's pretty important. So no matter what the topic is or no matter what the songs are, by doing communion every week, we give people an opportunity to figure out who Jesus is and what he's done and respond to that. There's one last thing. I'll close with this. One last thing I've learned about church in the Bible Belt, and that is everybody will tell you that they have a church where they go to church, even if they don't go. And we just want to, we've just got a different hope. Our hope is that you'll, you'll go to worship because it's just too good to miss. That's our hope. I mean, the presence of God, teaching that changes your life, I hope, and I'm not claiming to be great at it, but I'm not the only one that does it here, so. Celebration. I mean, just all of these things, if we bring them together, that you'll say, look, I I don't want to miss that. And what's been exciting for us is, is watching those who have continued to worship online during the COVID lockdown we didn't have people say, well, you know what? It wasn't that special anyway. I'll just take a few months off. We'll just go to the beach. But every week, more and more people. And what I do want to say that has really kind of adjusted our thinking, we were not online prior to uh, the COVID lockdown. Part of it was my fault. I, I, all of it was my fault, right? I guess all of it was my fault because I got to object to everybody else's good reasoning. And my reasoning was, I don't want you sitting at home on your couch in your boxers saying you go to church. And, but what I've discovered is God does great things in people's living rooms. And you know why? What God had to show me is all four of these things, celebration, expectation, instruction, and salvation happens anywhere. And that's been happening in living rooms. It's been happening on Monday nights in in cars as people drive. It's been happening in this room all throughout the weekend. So I need you to know that this isn't going away. As people begin to come back to the building, we've got more and more people that are starting to worship online all over the world. That's not going to change. That's why we've had to to adjust this series and say, look, if you're going to be Grace Life wherever you are, we want to talk about what that means. So I want you to know that one of the four things we're doing as a church is, is worshiping together. And together isn't always in the room at the same time. Even when we were in the room, we did it at three different times. So, I mean, we're, we're just too big and we're now, I mean, about to be four times. And so, look, the, the, the point is, it doesn't matter if you're online doesn't matter if you're on the other side of the globe. It doesn't matter if you're in this room. We want our worship services to change lives. We want people to come to know him personally and those who know him personally to know him deeply. Because one of our absolute core beliefs is this. When the people of God meet the presence of God, watch out. The people of God meet the presence of God. And that's why it's not enough for you to know you're going to heaven and then to ignore worshiping and being a part of a church for the rest of your life. We're going to talk about those other three as we go on. But our hope 
is that we will be a church where you don't want to miss the people of God meeting the presence of God. And that's our goal every week. That's what we're here to do. Let me pray for us. Father, we do thank you that you, first of all, made that possible. You paved the way for your broken creation and your sinful children to come into your presence. We don't have to log on online or walk into a room and talk about a statue somewhere because we don't worship a statue somewhere. We worship the one true living God. And you don't say, hey, 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 hold your distance, get back. You let us come right to you. You've made a way for us to meet you, to be with you, to worship you to experience you. And God, we're just so grateful. And it's my prayer for everyone who says Grace Life is my church, that they will get excited about the power of worshiping you. If you're just staying in a place of prayer, I want to talk to those of you that maybe you're in a place, uh, you maybe didn't hear half of what I said because you got stuck when I read Jesus saying, somebody's going to say to me, Lord, Lord, I went to church, I did all these things, and he's going to say, but I didn't know you. And I just want to say here today, if you know that's you, if you do not know for sure that you have already exchanged the life you have for the one he has for you, that you've already said yes to the free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of of your sins, eternal life, that all comes through what Jesus did on the cross. I want to help you do that right now. I want to help you be able to say, hey, Jesus, I know you. And him look back at you and say, yep, and I know you. If you've never done that, I want to help you do that right now. The good news is I'm just going to help you have a conversation. We're going to begin a conversation, say something like this. So say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And so now, I want to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. And my simple prayer here today is that you give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom and fill me with your spirit. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people, everybody. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.